Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there and welcome to The Gong Show. My name's Steph Postuma. Today I'll be joined by Chef Andy Burns from Babyface in Wollongong to talk about issues relating to the food and hospitality industry with insights from guests including chefs, business owners, producers, policymakers and experts. This week we are joined by Phil Lavers from Moonacres Farm in Fitzroy Falls up in the New South Wales Southern Highlands. In 2018, Moonacres Farm won the From the Earth Trophy at the Delicious Awards, which basically means they are producing the best vegetables in Australia as blind judged by a panel of very distinguished Australian chefs. He's a great guy with a fantastic insight into organic agriculture. And we also spoke about the market and people's choices in vegetable consumption. We talk about his relationships with chefs and selling through farmer's markets and a bunch of other things. It was fantastic having Phil on the show and we hope you like the conversation as well. So let's get into it. G'day and welcome to the Gong Show podcast. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting it. My name is Stefan Postuma. With me as always, Andy Burns. Hey guys. And Simon Evans isn't with us today, he's sick. So for those of you who like Simon, which the small handful of you do, uh, he is not available today. Um, but we have a great guest in with us, Phil Lavers from Moon Acres Farm in Fitzroy Falls. Phil, thanks so much for coming down and joining us. No problem. Pleasure to be here. Good to have you here. All right, well, we'll kick off with an acknowledgement of country. We'd like to acknowledge the Dharawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra and acknowledge elders past and present. Uh, guys, uh, let's get straight into it. Phil, we've got you down here because you are a supplier that I've worked with in the past in uh, the Southern Highlands publication. And uh, as of maybe six months ago or something like that, you started supplying, Andy, some of your veggies as well. I think it's longer yeah, than that. Longer than that, yeah? Longer than that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Excellent. And you also have uh, your produce up at Flame Tree Co-op in Thoreau. So you do have connections down here to the Illawarra. And uh, I guess one of the things that we're trying to do with the sort of new iteration of the podcast in 2019 is to, uh, you know, make connections with the regions around us, like the Southern Highlands or further down the South Coast or in Sydney, whatever it may be. Uh, so we've got you on to talk about what you do with organic, organic farming and... 
uh, and, we'll, and we'll go into issues around around the farming system, what you do specifically on your farm, and also uh, recently starting a, a cafe and a restaurant, which you've done. But um, the first question I wanted to ask you, Phil, was you started organic farming as a career change. You weren't brought into farming like like the majority of farmers out there. What on earth made you decide to become an organic farmer after a sort of successful career in finance? I suddenly went insane one day. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the real reason is I wanted to spend more time with my family. Yep. Um, and I think that's been successful. You know, from 2006 when we moved to the farm, I would have dinner with my kids and my wife every night. Yep. Uh, and that's very different from sitting in front of a screen, talking on the phone, trading financial instruments so it really was a a major lifestyle change and it was a change that I made because I wanted family is more important than anything Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know that's easy to say but it's something you've actually at some point got to do Mm -hmm. so I did that and um, the result is I became a vegetable farmer and that's my sin it's my punishment for (laughs) wanting to spend more time with my family and so so that rationale was you had a farm and you had an acreage and you said, let's use this land. I can work, f- like, I mean, from home in air quotes, essentially, because you live right next to the farm um, and spend more time with the family. So why not start farming veggies? Was there something that drew you to farming organic organic vegetables at the same time? Like, you, you I mean, essentially, you, you, you were completely green, like had no... Um, you know, no, no idea of how to how to begin a farm or farming veggie. Why was it organic vegetable farming that you chose as a way to utilise your land? Yeah, that's a good question. So one, I'm a vegetarian, um, so I didn't want a husband in the animals because I didn't really want to get into the killing of them. Uh, secondly, the land on which we happen to end up is incredibly good vegetable country. It's some yeah, of the best soil. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You've got to see it to kind of believe how nice it is. The yeah. soil's just ridiculous. Yeah. So it's stunning soil, particularly in a, in a country which is a very old continent and it's got very highly degraded soils. Our soils are relatively new and they're in very good condition. So from that point of view, it was great for vegetable growing. Uh, and so you put those two together and that's the natural thing is, okay, let's become a vegetable farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to pick that part of the food agriculture business that is most work and least profit so that's mm. good. Yeah. yeah good start you definitely yeah. chose the yeah the punishment I, as you I say own, i own two restaurants so i can sort of relate <laughs> and so how then tell us a little bit about how how you got started how you started educating yourself and, and figuring out what the hell you were doing borrowing pub Burrowing Pub. That's the place to go if you want to learn. <laughs> Table of knowledge. Burrowing Pub. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, doubt, when in doubt, go to Burrowing Pub and ask people, you know, what do you do with this, what do you do with that, etc. And there's a, there's a small community of people who've been on the land all their life and they know about farming. They've been in and out of different farming enterprises. And a lot of it's just uh, common sense, but the word common sense has got a lot of different meanings and it depends what your background is as to what's common and what's sensible. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, if you're from, your background is trading financial instruments in Tokyo, uh, common sense when it comes to tractors is very different from <laughs> someone who's driven a tractor all their life. And so you need to talk to people who've done that. And that's what I did. And so, you know, lovely community, uh, people who are always happy to help, 
they enjoy listening to really, really stupid questions and having a laugh. Mm, I'm sure. And that's what we did. Um, and so gradually over time, I made thousands of mistakes, all of which I learned something from. And so gradually, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, you you try something, you screw it up, you get your tractor bogged, you work out how to unbog a tractor next time. I've never bogged a tractor since. Right? So that's a good learning. Um, and so gradually you get better and better at what you're doing. Uh, and so that's how it all started. How long, how long did you have the phone call there? Boiled in 1998, so 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and started back farming in 2006. So I've been at the job for just over 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, and was it all was organic always always the way forward for you? Yeah, is that, I mean, no um, question. It's just no question. You know, we've got to learn to work with nature, not against it. Mm. Uh, we're not going to win the battle of battling nature. Mm. You think about it; <laughs> the planet will just cough and we're gone. So, we've got to learn to work with it. We're a very small part of it, so we've got to take our place and you know, work, look after it as we go. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into a, a little bit about um, a more more about sort of why that's important and why that that philosophy is important for the whole system in a bit. Um, how? What was your original market for your produce when you first started? Farmers markets, right? Yeah. So I started uh, in November of two thousand and six, selling at um, North Sydney produce market, I then extended into Fox Studios, and then did a ton of local markets, Bower Market, Walton Market, Mossvale Market, Kiama, so basically all over the shop, and my main source of revenue, even today, is farmers markets. It's yeah, right. It's like about 60% of our income. Yeah, okay, right. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of, we do Kiama Market, we do Mossvale Market, and then we do uh, two Sydney markets. Mm. Um, there's one more that I'm missing trying to figure out what it is, but we'll come to mm-hmm. uh, And at, at some point through this, um, through like your journey, you discovered an ability to uh, trade directly with restaurants. How yeah. did that come about? Um, through a restaurant called Vini. Uh, it was a restaurant in Sydney, a small restaurant, I don't know, 30 seats. The chef there happened to find out about me. He did pop-up dinners and he wanted good veg for his pop-up dinner. He came down, loved what he saw, said, we've got to buy your stuff for the restaurant. So given that I was in Sydney once a week, I delivered to those guys. And then from there it just grew. They had a sister restaurant called Berta, ended up being a restaurant of the year. Um, Tama, who's the chef there, loved my stuff. She introduced me to someone else, her partner, a guy called Matt Lindsay. Chef of the Year two years ago, and you know, once you get into that sort of the network, there people talk about the produce and they hear about you and they want to be part of it. So um, today we're harvesting today some of uh, Andy's gears getting done as we speak. So we we've got thirteen orders that we're going to deliver tomorrow mm. um, at at restaurants. We've got a new one in Bronte just started. Which one's that? It's called Moxie. Okay. Over yeah. in Bronte, I the guy just saw my stuff at Fox Studio Market and said, "I've got to get some of this." Yeah. So it's you know we've got a good the restaurants that we sell to. I think they have to be a particular sort of restaurant. They can't be a place that is a big industrial restaurant. They print their menu once a month or even once a quarter, and then they just need to get the 
the goods to fit that restaurant. Yeah. The, the restaurants that we sell to are people who look at what's available and are inspired and make dishes as they see what's available. Mm. And that's that's really exciting for someone like me because mushy just mm. happened to be in now, so you get four weeks of mushy mm-hmm. ingredients mm. and so on. Yeah. And I really like that sort of restaurant. I think it's just uh, exciting. Yeah. And what was it like for you? Was 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 it a learning process for you to discover the reverence that chefs have for good produce like yours? Was it was it kind of like a, a bit of a light bulb and a insight into a world you might not have been too familiar with when you first started meeting these people in the network in Sydney? Yeah, I still don't believe that they think my stuff's really great. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just find that hard to believe. Well, I eat it every day and I don't eat other food. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. so I, I, I'm... I'm in this lucky situation, you know, I'm feeling tired and I want to have dinner, so I just get a, a potato, whatever happens to be on the bench, I roast it, it tastes great, I go to sleep. I mean, it's not that complicated. For me. <laughs> you know, the apples, the nashi, whatever. It's, that's what I do. So when, like, there's a chef in Sydney called Danielle, she runs a restaurant called Fred's and she begs me for projects. <laughs> you know, you can get lots of projects to no, no, no. You don't understand though. I, I say to the boys, like you haven't tried for like whatever it is. It's like you haven't tasted tasted it properly until you've tasted it from like either Erica and Hayden's farm or your farm. Like it just it, nothing compares. Like the rhubarb we get from you, like it's just there's no other rhubarb that comes near it. Yeah, and you should you should you should know that and understand that because it's true. <laughs> like, that's why we that's why we hassle you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, what have you got? What have you got? So a real example for me is. Um, I sent a whole bunch of spinach, so uh, silver beet. I mean, what could be more common than spinach, right? Yeah. I sent a whole lot of that to this restaurant here called Fred's. And they sent me back a photo of a, a tart that they'd made from that. And they said, your stuff is so fresh that its little heart is still beating. Yeah, right. How beautiful is that? <laughs> yeah, amazing. So when they got it the next day, it was so fresh they could still hear the little heart beating in that silver beet. Yeah. And that's what I'm about, you know, the, the energy that comes from the earth. My job is to give it to the next person so they can give it to the next person to give it to the customer. Yeah. And if we keep that alive, then we're going to connect those people back into the soil. Yeah. Amazing. And that's that's what we're trying to do. It's even like the sage. We got sage for our, just for a sage butter for our basting in that board last week. And like the boys just, they just like are in disbelief, yeah. It's, it's, they haven't seen anything like it. And it's awesome. For, for you, Andy, I guess we can talk now. Actually, while we're while we're on the topic of the quality of produce, because it's something that um, it takes a trained eye and a trained palate, like probably sometimes to well, definitely a trained eye. But chefs have a reverence for it because they deal with produce every day, and flavor is at the top of the priority list and the types of chefs that you're talking about that you deal with. Um, and there's a, like your one organic farm and there are plenty of organic farmers, but you won the trophy, the From the Earth trophy at the Delicious Awards last year, which is basically the one of the highest accolades you can get for producing veggies in Australia. Right, best produce in the country. Yeah. As judged, blind judging by 12 chefs. Yeah. How did, how did that feel to get, to, to get that? What was that? Was that a surreal moment for you? 
totally surreal. Like there I am with all these producers that I've, you know, that I really look up to, who've been in the game way longer than I am, and then they call out my name, New Acres Farm, and I'm thinking, are you guys sure? <laughs> but they they actually manufactured a plate, a trophy for me, and you know, glazed on there is Moon Acres Farm, so they've clearly, they've made the mistake way back. Not they, just they, got, they got it right. <laughs> but, you know, that, so that was a real honour, and, you know, it, it sort of indicates not only my work, but the people who work on the farm, the, the people who are in our community of, of chefs who have put their faith in what we're doing. Mm. So it's a real vindication of our approach to looking after the soil. Mm. And it's, it's great, it's... It, it's a real honour. Yeah. And so I guess going back to the, the question of quality, as you said at the Delicious Awards, there's a bunch of producers there and some, some, have, um, some have been in the game for longer than you have. What, what, separates, what separates your produce in terms of quality? Like, what is it? What is, what is that thing? Um, so uh, my philosophy is work with nature, don't fight against it. So if, if it doesn't grow in your area, don't grow it. Yeah. Right. So don't try and grow bananas in Fitzroy Falls uh, because your bananas are not going to be good bananas. Yeah. Get them, right? So grow stuff that you can grow. Uh, look after the soil so that the plants got so that you're making it easy for the plant to grow. Uh, look after the plants and and then try and harvest things when they're ripe. Uh, don't harvest them before they're ripe. Don't try and sell them when they're beyond being ripe. You know, just don't, well, I say to the people who are working for me, when they're about to put something in the box, I say to them, think of the person in your life who you most care about. Is it your grandma? Is it your wife? Is it your little daughter? Would you give that to them? If you wouldn't give it to the person you like most in life, don't put it in the box. You know, it's more important to give people the best quality than it is to make you know, another 22 cents from that bunch of whatever. If we keep giving good quality, the 22 cents will come back. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So our job at every, in everything we do is to honour those with whom we have the privilege of working, be it the chefs, be it the person who drives it to Sydney, be it the person who packs it, be it the person who washes it, be it the person who picks it. You know, let's, let's take this business opportunity and turn it into a community experience that's going to enrich us all in different ways. Yeah. Not just in financial terms. If we measure everything in financial terms, then we've got something really badly going on. Mm. And so let's hand that love, that energy that's gone into that produce, the energy of the soil, the warmth of the sun, the refreshing rain, all of that stuff that's gone into that, and let's try and be a pair of hands that lovingly passes it on. Mm. You know, that's what we want to do. I mean, imagine if you did that every day of your life. Mm. You'd have a very contenting life. Definitely, and I, th- I think that that kind of philosophy can probably transfer into a lot of different industries and a lot of different occupations as well. Instead of it necessarily being about, uh, you know, always about profit and convenience, um, you know, a bit of, a bit of care and a bit of a, a bit of that that love that you're talking about can go a long way and definitely comes back to you. And I think that that's the same as the same as the way chefs work. Would you say? Would you say the same thing? Oh, uh, I. Like that's is basically the reason we use a lot of our producers, like suppliers and producers, because they have that passion for what they do. 
and that's going to translate into our restaurant. Like it's not just, I mean, obviously it's about great produce, but if there was great produce and building feel the way he feels about what he does, I would be less inclined to use him as a supplier. You know, that's how we feel about what we're putting on the plate, what's on our wine shelf, everything, and it extends to the customers, and that's that's what's important to us. Yeah. At, like in restaurants, so I, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm pretty sure anyone that uses um, producers like Phil, like chefs, would say the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's about that connection, I guess, that we can then have with Phil and to the soil up there, and you you taste it in the plate. That's mm. yeah. so more about the love and the passion as well. Mm. Phil, do you? Um, I remember when I first visited the farm, and. I don't know, like I was still probably in, I guess, the infancy a little bit of my sort of work in food media and we were walking around your orchard and you're like, oh, try the Fuji's if you want, they're kind of shit, like, or whatever. And you're very <laughs> honest about <laughs> about where, when, whether it be, you know, weather conditions or whatever it might be affecting the quality of your produce. Do you think a part of it is being honest about you know your own opinion of the produce. It's you're not gonna you're not gonna spruik something as high quality because it's from Moonacres if you don't have that belief that it is because it's been affected by whatever. Yeah, I mean, why be dishonest? It takes energy. It's it take you know you got to remember what you said last time. If you just tell it <laughs> as you see it, then we're gonna notice anyway when yeah, it gets to us. So we? why muck around? You know, like uh, it's I, I am I am the result of what's occurred to me through the weather, through um, just things going wrong, whatever. I can't change that. So I've just got to take it and just say, you know what, guys, at the moment, the cabbages aren't great. That's good because you've communicated something and the chefs can use that. A really good example is that I had a whole bunch of lettuces that had gone to flower and were bitter. So I just put it out there, got a whole bunch of lettuce, gone to flour and bitter. And so Tama, from, who's now at Lung Farm Filling Station, restaurant of the year this year, um, <laughs> said, I'll buy them. I said, Tama, they're bitter, they're horrible. She said, yeah, I want the bitter. So yeah. what she did was she fried them. And when the bitter gets fried, it turns to a sort of a, a milder bitter. And then she mixed in that with some peas and a coconut sauce. And so you have the sweetness of the peas, the smoothness of the coconut sauce. But that's kind of boring unless you've got something to offset it. And the bitter of the lettuce did it for it. And that dish was a hit. Mm. So, you know, so I'm saying to people, hey, I've got these terrible lettuces. Well, what about the pumpkins? Mm. Yesterday I, I said to people, I've got these pumpkins. They're sunburned. They're really ripe. They're nice pumpkins. You're going to have to chop, I think I said 75, 25% of yeah. every pumpkin. I sold out. I took a crate. We're going to all fermented. Yeah. Then took a crate. Don Pepino's in Sydney took two crates. You know, Fred just take one crate. You know, there's all these dudes who just say, I want these pumpkins because I know they're going to be really ripe. They're going to be full of flavour. And we'll work out the... We'll figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I was thinking, well, what should I charge for these? Well, what I came to was a price that I felt was fair. Yeah. Because I could have put 20 bucks... That was that's not fair, you know. I, I don't even know. I just don't want. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought for ten bucks, and I thought, you know what, I'm ripping myself off a bit there. The guys have got to pick them up, whatever. So, what feels right? Because if you, you know, you got a choice to do something that feels right, or you got a choice to feel something that does something that feels a bit sneaky. Every time someone buys that crate of pumpkins, 
I want to feel great because I've made it right, as opposed to feeling uh, a little sneaky. I don't want to feel sneaky. Mm. I want to feel great, you know, and then the guy, I know the people who bought them are going to love them. Mm. And, uh, and if they don't, and if they say, look, it didn't work out, say, well, fine, you know, thanks for letting me know. Mm. Fantastic. It's, it's exciting, you know. The, so we had a problem. A whole lot of pumpkins got sunburned. Because of the sunburn, they, they start to, um, you know, they break down a little bit. Put it out there. And people might buy them, people might not. Yeah, transparency goes a long way. Yeah. Mm. So that's what we're trying to do. When we screw up, and we have screwed up, um, you know, I'm just straightforward about it. I don't, don't, you know, yes, it was my fault. Yes, I delivered the wrong crate to the wrong people. Let's fix it up. Yep. I think, um, I guess one of the other benefits of, of, of that and the, and the way that, in the way in which you have such such a, a, a close communication with the chefs that you supply is, is is a food waste benefit because there's food waste at all levels of the you know the food system and if a chef if, if a if a farmer has the ability to be honest with chefs and 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 their market about the quality of their product and say look like like what you did I've got these sunbird pumpkins does anyone want them like. A lot of a lot of other farms, and, and this happens on massive scales. That stuff just that stuff Sorry, just gets yeah. chucked in the bin or buried or whatever it might be. So it's fantastic that this has also allowed you to reduce reduce waste in that way. Yeah, um, and because we feel bad. I mean, the, the motivation for Justin and I, Justin's the farm manager. We were sitting there looking at these crates of pumpkins, and we feel bad to compost them. Yeah, you know, like they've grown. You know, they. We planted those seeds back in September and those little babies have grown up and they've produced pumpkins. Let's try and use those pumpkins. They deserve a home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and they will taste great. Mm. I, I, I'm still, you know, I've, I, I last night the missus made a pumpkin soup and, you know, just the, the richness of the flavour and the depth of the flavour and just how it just fills your mouth and it's smooth and it's... Oh, Sweet, delicious. We'll probably smoke so much food. Yeah. Now that you're, you're getting going over here. Yeah. <laughs> come in about when are they going to be on the menu, Andy? Oh, we can I'm plug right. we can plug these pumpkins now for people to come in and try them. <laughs> Don't know. This, be, oh, this week we'll miss something this week. This week, we'll right? Ferment some. We'll probably smoke some. We will get this podcast yeah. out, and then you can on the weekend try some of yeah. Phil's pump, yeah. sunburnt pumpkins on the menu. There you go. Well, that's Fantastic. one thing I want to do is I want to get a closer connection between the people who eat food, and there's a lot of those people. There's a few. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so people who eat food and people who grow food. Yeah. Because that there's a schism there. There's a great big gap. Yeah. If I, I would reckon that of your listeners, both of them, um, <laughs> one of them, yeah, probably neither of them know a farmer, no, particularly a vegetable farmer. Mm. So where's their food coming from? Yeah, no one. It's, you know, people are so ignorant to it. And it's not anyone's fault, really. It's just the way... It's just the way things are, which isn't ideal. But it's nice for us here to be able to now just... We've got you guys and Eric and Hayden from Epicurean Harvest. I, I just get a text message off Erica with what she has and I get an email off Phil and I say, send this, this and this and this and this. Usually it's like as much as we can use, you know, mm. of, the vari- of the varieties of um, things on offer. Mm. I'll take whatever whatever we can fill the menu up with I mean, as much as we can sort of use in a good way <laughs> yeah Phil one of the ways where you can bridge that gap uh, 
that that you're talking about between you know the people that eat food and 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 the producers is at the farmers market yeah. how how important are farmers markets to you and do you see this as sort of one of the one of the main places where that education can occur and if not how do you see that education being sort of expanded in other in other areas i think it's really good to to go to a farmers market the problem is finding a farmers market with farmers yep um, because there's a lot of people out there who there's a lot of farmers markets out there and there's a lot of farmers markets out there with no farmers at them Kayama is Kayama the one that you missed before no Kayama we go to you said no but you said you, you listed them before did you oh, say Kayama I still can't remember the one anyway anyway Kayama is one that you go Kayama is one we go to and they actually have a, a policy of supporting farmers yeah, yeah. it's a good, good market fantastic yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know there's there's all sorts of produce there I what I love is that I'll be able to come back from Kaima Markets with some fresh produce mm. that I that I can't grow or that yeah. it's, happens to be bad time for me or whatever, and then I get to eat good food. You know, that's exciting. So yeah, I love it. I think farmers markets are a good way. Find a farmers market, talk to the farmers, and then ask them where they grew it, how they grew it, when do they plant it? Because there's a lot of people out there who are pretending to be farmers and they don't grow a thing. Mm. So yeah, you can find those people out pretty quickly. Uh, and talk to the people who are farmers. Mm. But one of the problems that we have is that as a vegetable farmer, you know, you've got a lot of work to do on the farm. And mm. so actually spending time away from the farm is precious time. Because yeah. right now I could be planting something, I could be harvesting something, I could be, at this time of year I could be planting something. So it is a big expense for a farmer to go off the farm, which is, which is a problem. Mm. Because it's a pretty intensive lifestyle. Another thing that we're trying to do through our sort of Moon Acres businesses is to connect people to the farm by, say, going to our cafe in Robbo. Mm. You're going to a rural environment, you're seeing a, you know, you're going to be driving past, or you can come to one of our days where we do something on the farm. Mm. So on just on the weekend, we had a posada making day. Yeah, and, yeah, I saw that. And so we got, you know, 20 people, we harvested some tomatoes, we did the whole posada making thing. And at the end of the day, we've got a whole lot of people who've had a lovely lunch, they've made posada, they've looked at the farm, they've harvested some stuff. And they, they're actually, I think there's a big difference between know-how and what I call do-how. It's, everyone knows how to do everything, you just ask Google. Mm-hmm. How do you make posada? How do you make a Japanese pickle? How do you make sourdough bread? I can tell you, but can I do it? So there's a big difference between knowing and doing. And what Confucius said was, I see, I believe, no, I hear, I, I know, I see, I believe, I do, I understand. Right? Mm. So I hear, I know, I see, I believe, I do, I understand. And understanding is the important part. The difference between knowledge and understanding is a tomato. Mm. Everyone knows tomatoes are fruit. But you need to really understand it to not put it into a fruit salad, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a difference, right? So understanding is doing. And that's what we're about. We, you know, we, we don't just say we grow veggies. We grow the best veggies in the country. I know mm-hmm. that sounds arrogant, but we do. You know? we, we, we don't say that we grow potatoes. We do potatoes. Mm-hmm. And that opportunity to get people to do stuff, that's exciting. Because when you do it, you feel it, you know it, you understand it. And... The doing is the exciting part. Mm. And farmers are doers. 
Don't have much choice. No, same with the <laughs> chef. A chef doesn't stand there and read Google all day. They've got to put food on the table. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, they, they want to do, uh, you know, refine people. They've got to do it. Mm. And that's exciting. You know? Because at the end of the day, you've got something and you either have or you haven't. And that, that you know, it's not our maybe. There's no maybes. There are people that get their food at the restaurant all that. Mm. I love that. Yeah. It's real. It is. So... I um yeah I, I had I had this bit of a question and an idea, and this might take us into a bit of a conversation of how you view our current food system in general. Uh, when it comes to supporting farms like yours through farmers markets or being a being a foodie who who dines at a place like this is and is is really interested in the food and wants to connect to it or someone who might um, buy a veggie box from you or something like that. Uh, I think that there's a lot of people out there, specifically when it comes to shopping at farmer's markets or buying veggie boxes, who like the idea of it. However, like you you say, in terms of trying to understand it, if you really want to understand it, you have to do it. And there's a gap between thought and action when it comes to that. Uh, so, I, and I think it's a bit of an issue because, you know, I, I'm someone who's got a reverence for great produce, yet I don't go to the Kayama Farmers Markets on Wednesday uh, afternoons to, to do my grocery shopping because it's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's other ways that I could do that. But what do you think, what do you think it'll take? And, and, this, and this would hopefully be to the benefit of the food system is sort of taking, taking this group of people from thought to action when it comes to this sort of thing? Time. Okay. It's going to take time because, and there's one number you've got to remember and that's 60%. So 60% of Australians are obese. Mm. Right? And they're obese because they're eating crap food. Uh, and so they're paying for it in their medical insurance, in their Medicare levies, in their whatever. Um, it's going to, you know, lot shorter lifetime think I'm the generation that's going to live the longest after us with 60% obesity rates people aren't going to live as long mm. so you know, they're the realities and the, the thing about those realities is that they're, they're in the future and you can just kick the can down the road uh, until you're in hospital having a bypass and so the quality of the food is you can't avoid the fact that the quality of your food severely affects the quality of your lifestyle mm. No two ways about it. So if you want to feel healthier, eat healthier. And the statistics are telling us that our food system is broken. Mm. But it's easy to ignore it because the connection's not direct and the government doesn't need to really worry about it if people are slowly killing themselves by eating crap food. Mm. So that's, that's the reality. So if you want to eat healthy, if you want to feel better, if you want to get off your medication, start eating healthy food. Now... Yes, it's going to take an effort to do that because we, we have designed by neglect a food system that is demonstrably killing us. Mm. So if you want to be part of a different system, well, you've got to be part of a different system, which means you've got to make that system for yourself. Mm. Now, you know, everything, everything else is noise. Mm. Uh, you know, I can't get to the markets. Okay, don't go to the markets. Uh, find a shop nearby, you know, 
organised to have it dropped off to your work. There's several box delivery companies in this mm. area who do that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, you know, be the solution. Don't, you know, uh, if you want to have a healthier lifestyle, if you want to eat better food, don't tell me about it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do it. You know, be the solution. That's what I say to people. You know, my wife says I'm way too harsh. You're either part of the solution or you're actually the problem. Yeah. And she says, well, you know, <laughs> what about people who are standing by? Well, they're, they're part of the problem. You know, it's very harsh, but hey, I need, I need to solve the problem. Either help me solve it or piss off. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot more awareness out there. Like, but as you say, Steph, the actual doing, like people, people know what's good for that's them. What I, that's what, what I mean. There's so there. many people out there who know what they should be doing. And they still don't. And they don't. Because convenience and price yeah. wins out on so many yeah, at, at all levels yeah, that's, I love that because that's like if someone says to me well it's expensive and it's hard to get to and I say why are you telling me your problems <laughs> yeah exactly I'm not interested yeah. in your problems <laughs> <laughs> thank you for letting me know that you've got these problems but solve them yeah. you know, what do you want me to do you want me to you want me to sort of helicopter an organic food shop <laughs> in, in, my, in front of your house you know, it's cheaper than the rest yeah, of the world. Exactly. <laughs> and even then, you won't go there. Yeah. You know, thank you for letting me know your problems. Yeah. I, I don't need to know that my tractor's busted and I've got 200 kilos of potatoes to dig. Come and help me dig them. You know, so it's, it's, you know, it's expensive. It doesn't look as good. It's hard to get to. Great. Well, you know, have your heart attack at, at 50. Thank you. But don't tell me your problems. You just get on. You know, you're going to lose all your listeners, both. Of them. No, go for it, Phil. We, we, you know, that's why we got you in here. The truth. It's, it's um, <laughs> you know, be the change you want to see in the world, uh, and don't and and if it's not working out for you, don't tell me about it. I, I love that I can confidently and transparently say that we we do that here. Mm. We, stand by it and things cost a bit more here but it is what it is and you'll taste it on the plate but it's nice to be able to say that you know and it it's to our from our wine shelf um into the kitchen and yeah it's nice to be able to say that and know that you're 100% yeah exactly <laughs> there's, not, there's not many places that a lot, like a lot of people talk to talk but not many people learn to walk the walk and um and you know, put the price on the menu where it needs to be, and have sometimes people say that's way too expensive, or it's not. It's like I know it's not because I pay the bills, but mm. like, yeah, not many people actually um, walk the walk these days, even in the industry. There's definitely more. Like, there's there's, de- there's a bunch of great restaurants doing great things, but um, they are definitely few and far between when you think about the bunch of restaurants that really aren't doing. Same thing. Mm. And so, as the as the person out there, uh, don't tell me your problems. Go and find the restaurant that you love the food of, enjoy the taste, and ask them how come this tastes so good. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, I, I'm not out to rip anyone off. Um, you know, our, our businesses have quality food as the basis, looking after the soil as the basis of everything that we do. And that translates into a series of economic decisions that our customers can make. Well, make those decisions or don't, but don't give me a commentary because it's not that interesting. 
Uh, we're, we're being honest, we're, being, we're paying all our bills, all of our workers get their workers' compensation, we pay above the award. All of that stuff, we treat people properly. I, I think the, the figures is that 90% of restaurants in Melbourne don't pay superannuation. Yeah. You know, so, so be part of, of the world that is, that is doing things with respect and enjoyment and joy. Yeah. And don't be someone who just makes an extra five cents here and there because you know what? You've got better things to do with your time. Mm. And, and enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. Come to a restaurant where you know the food's great, you know the wine's great. You're, the people are, that the staff are happy because they know they're being properly paid. Why would you do anything different? You know, it's, it's up to you. I think it's, it's, it can be fun. I mean, uh, it's, if you're going to a restaurant and you're thinking, you know what, this is five bucks more expensive than it needs to be, go to a different restaurant. Mm. Don't tell the restaurant that you've gone to. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> they, they probably know that. You know, but there's a reason for it, and you're paying it because that's the reality of the world in which we live. If you want a different world, change it. Yeah. It's a tough one, though, I guess, because perhaps sometimes being in this industry, you know, and, and us sort of like crossing industries between myself in, in media, you, Phil, and, and Andy as the chef, do you think perhaps we, we're, in, we're in a bubble where we kind of have an assumption that more people are educated on what you're talking about than actually are and people don't understand i mean we've done a podcast about wage theft and we've done a pod, and we do po- we're doing this podcast now and other things that address these issues of the industry and we're constantly imploring the, the two listeners to <laughs> to get out to, uh, to 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 get out and support the people that are doing the right thing yeah. however I, don't, I think that there's a lot of people out, like there's a lot of people out there that don't read the paper and wouldn't know that that Wollongong was the hotspot for wage theft um, in 2017, yeah. and and there was a bunch of places listed that you can look up online and you can choose not to go to those places. So there was a lot of places. Yeah, exactly. And do you think perhaps we do you think we perhaps live in a in, in a bit of an education bubble where we might take for granted our our level of knowledge about these sorts of things and don't understand the broader communities? Be, yeah, for sure, it becomes normal. Like, yeah. Yeah. like it becomes our, our our normal in what we what we do here, what Phil does, what you do with me. Like exactly, it just becomes normal to us, and it's very different normal than other people's mm. that really aren't educated on it. I mean, it's our, it's our passion. We're going to be way more if we weren't way more educated. On everything you just mentioned, we wouldn't be good at what we did. Mm. <laughs> I, I definitely live in a bubble. Um, <coughs> you know, I'm, I don't have a television. I can't stand social media. Uh, I like farming and I like vegetables. So my <laughs> my world is fairly confined. Right? Uh, but I'm having a hell of a good time doing what I'm doing. We're employing a lot of people. We're producing fantastic food. Mm. And you can either be part of that or not. Uh, and I would suggest that don't let price be the determinant. Mm-hmm. You know, let 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 use a value other than price as your steering, as your guide in the in the world, mm. because you will live a richer life for it. One hundred percent. So, 100%. so people, people spend their money on things like. You know, whether it's booze or cigarettes or whatever, but then they'll whinge about the price. Yeah, that's the funny thing. It's like uh 
you know, someone will come in and whinge about a two dollar discrepancy on, on on the menu or whatever it might be, and then they'll go to the bar next door and buy three eighteen dollar cocktails. Yeah. And, and, not, and not bad yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but I, also I don't want to like one of the reasons why I ask people not to tell me their problems is because I don't want to spend any of my energy judging. I mean, I, yeah. it just doesn't interest me. <laughs> you know, it's 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 up to them. They're, let them look after them. Yeah, you know? and then and they'll go and do their eighteen dollar cocktail, or they'll they'll do their um, refined sushi made from fresh fish on a lovely slice of nushy pear. Yeah. That's up to them, you know. But when they come here, enjoy it. Yeah. Or when they go there, enjoy it. But don't tell me in 20 years when they're having their heart operation, whatever, because I'm not interested. You know, what I'm interested in is we've got great nushies right now, we've got great fish, we've got an enthusiastic chef. Come and enjoy it. It's a good nushie. Because one of the one of the things, bloody amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so the things I really yeah. enjoy about the people that I work with is, uh, I don't know, if you people, we should do a video of just Andy working at night, just to, like we should have a kitchen cam just for one night of Andy working, right? and the intensity with which you have to work as a chef just during service, it's full on. I mean, they've done studies of heart rate and then adrenaline levels and all that. I don't stuff. want to know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep those studies it's, it's, it's really intense, uh, and you know, we, we the people who work at the cafe and Robo, we're cycling them through a day on the farm. Mm. And, and oh, that's that's so good. One of the women who works for us, she had a shift on Sunday, and she says, "I'm still sore from the work that I did on Wednesday, because it's a different sort of work." And yeah. I said, "Yeah, but you're on your feet all day." But what I love is that we've got this ethic that working hard is actually more fun than not working hard. Mm. I know it sounds upside down, but and in fact, I don't think it's upside down, but when you're working hard and you're focused, you've got your list and you're doing stuff, you just feel alive. You feel energy. 100%. Your brain's, your brain's going. Yeah. I, I, I love the... Uh, that's something that I, that I miss about, um, about working in kitchens and also... I have I, I haven't really worked on farms, Phil, but I've done manual labour before, things like landscaping back when I was young, saving money to go overseas. Yeah. And like you say, having that sort of finite nature of being able to and it's probably different for you, but to go from job to job to have a list of things and you know you've got a certain amount of time to accomplish it and you're focused and you're just nailing everything and just ticking it off. Yeah. And it's like you say, you're alive. Like the world that I live in now, because making these books and things like that, these are long-term projects with lots of variables in the meantime. And it's really hard to get the continuity of a day's work with a list of stuff to do just and, and, and completing it all and then starting again the next day. Yeah. And I, I really miss that. And like you say, it does make you feel alive. It's yeah. fun. There's, yeah, if you've got, say, 300 punches of basil, Right? This is a story with my daughter when she was about 11. And, and um, so we're picking basil and I just say, look, we've only got 60 bunches of basil to go. And we've done, I don't know, hundreds of cabbages and hundreds of kale or whatever. And she starts to cry and I just say, oh, you know. I say, well, how many can you do? And she says, oh, I think I can do three dates. Right, let's just do three. Right? Got three left in me. Yeah, she's got three left in her. So she does three, I do three, that's six. I say, well, do you think you can do another three? Yeah. Okay, and so you just, you know, if you look at, if you've got to fill a bin full of potatoes, you look at the bin and you put your first bucket full in and you just cry. Yeah. Because you know it's going to take 400 buckets. So you don't think about Drop 400 in the ocean. buckets. You don't think about the 
4,000 little bits of pasta you've got to roll for tonight's menu. Because if yeah. you think about them, you'll go mad. You'll yeah. lose your mind. Yeah, you just think about the next three bunches. Yeah. And you do the next three, and you do the next three, and you just do that 20 times, and guess what? You've got your 60 bunches. Mm. So that discipline of, and, and that working with your mind to be able to do manual labour, to be able to box two pallets of cabbages, whatever it is, or to do, for example, in my world, to sit down and do all the group certificates, mm. or whatever the job is. What a, what a know, joy. Yeah. Okay, it's not fun. No one's saying it's fun, but hey, you've got to get it done. Yeah. So the opportunity when you're working to, to discipline yourself and to get something done, that's exciting. And so that's part of what we are. You know, the Moonacres thing is about people working hard, about enjoying working hard because it's way more fun to work hard than to sit on your ass. And then to produce beautiful bread, to produce beautiful produce, to work with exciting people. And there's this energy about it mm. that is attractive. And, you know, it's, I just love seeing kitchens in action. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love being associated with people like Andy who've got that. How does he get up every day? I don't know, but he does it. And he comes in again and he just does it. And each time he does it, he's got this energy. Mm. I love that. But it comes, like a lot of it comes from, I think there's this really good group of restaurants, chefs, producers and people just in general getting behind it. It's, it's a great network to be a part of. Like, I'm really happy and proud to say that what we do here and, you know, like friends that I've got in the industry that recognise and appreciate what we do here, like, it's awesome. It's mm. inspiring. And it gives you drive. Mm. You know, you want to get up, you want to go to work. And yeah. Like, there, there is such a good network now of restaurants doing That's it. awesome things. That's, uh, we, I don't know, the stress levels and things feel we, sometimes you can get a little bit negative when it comes to talking about the industry because there are a lot of hard, hard things. But we did a yeah. podcast called Why Hospitality is Awesome. And we rang, <laughs> we, we, we rang around a few chefs and, and things like that to have some input. And, yeah, and this is exactly what we're talking about. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but on that, on that subject, it's not just the chefs for whom it's awesome. Uh, I think if you're a, if you're a professional waitstaff or you're a mm. front of house manager, there's a buzz, there's an aliveness to this room. I mean, this room, look at it, it's empty, it's, it's boring. But once you get the people in with the food, it becomes alive. Mm. And being part of that, it's exciting. And... You know, you get your dickhead customers and you get your painful people or whatever. But you know what I just say to people, you know, they're an opportunity to learn. And yes, they can be difficult, but most punters are here to have a good time and to enjoy the food. And they do that. Yeah. And they do that through a team effort and they're part of the team. Mm. And that's great. You know, that's, that's, that's a living, working community. And as humans, you know, we've evolved for millennia to enjoy that. Mm. So be part of it. Come and... Come here and eat some mushroom. Mm, for sure. Um, all right. Well, guy, like I want to just go back to this, the, the idea of this hard work and getting and getting the drive from it, and try to link it to a, another question that I had. One of the one of the big issues with the farming system at the moment is a lack of young farmers, yeah. and it might and the way that I'll try to link it is that it might be a bit of a cliche, but they say that, um, you know, the, the younger generation now being brought up with, you know, social media and, and, and 
smart smartphones and all that sort of thing. And it's probably a cliche, but uh, averse to doing this type of hard work. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you think, Phil? We can because it's it's a hundred percent necessary. Where do you see where do you see this at the moment? You know, this issue of a lack of young farmers, and what do you see as a way that we can start? You know, getting more young people involved in what you do, giving them the opportunity to experience what it's like to work for a day, work hard to be knackered at the end of it, and then to see the fruits of their labour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a good example is you might get someone who's young and they just work for a day on the farm and then the next day you say, well, why don't you go to the cafe and just have a broccoli sandwich? Mm-hmm. Who eats broccoli sandwich? <laughs> but you go there, you have one, and you... You, the next thing you do is you order another one, yeah, because it's fresh broccoli. It's the tastes are beautifully blended. It's on handmade potato bread, and so they can see that the hard work that they did yesterday of planting two thousand broccoli seedlings, bending over, putting a hole in the ground, shoving it in, wrapping it around, making sure it's um, you do that two thousand times. Mm. They can see the results of that, creating a bit of passion. Yeah. But you, you, you get, I mean, everyone's saying there, give me something for nothing. Well, believe it or not, the, the enjoyment that you get out of something is proportional to how much effort you put in. Mm. You put in no effort, you're not going to really enjoy it. You work on it for months or years or decades. When it finally comes to fruition, it's, you know, you get a little bit of a buzz and it's exciting and it's nice, but you get contentment. Mm. Because, you know, the, the, the crop of potatoes that you planted four months ago, you're now harvesting. There's something deeply contenting about that. Mm. You know, the, um, to see a, a plate of food with a whole group of people and you present it to them. And at the end, when you take the plates to wash, you're scraping nothing off the plate. Mm. That's deeply contenting. That, you know, so, so if you want to have contentment and enjoyment in your life, believe it or not, you're going to have to do a bit of work. But when you've done that, I mean, look at your book. You can hold that book and you can open it and you know every word in that book. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not the sort of the buzz of the first time it comes off the press. It's the, you know what, part of me is in this book and I'm handing that to the next person. Part of my potatoes has got a tiny little bit of fill. <laughs> and I've handed that on to the next person and Andy does the same so it, it's it's sort of more an, an artisanal way of thinking about what you do mm. you, know, you you are what you do and you don't have a lot of choice about who you are so be it and enjoy being it mm. and do it and there's contentment that comes from that so what I try to do is with these with these people who come and work on the farm you know, two weeks or whatever to to give them a taste of you know, you're not going to get the buzz from playing Call of Duty on, on the farm, mm. believe it or not. You know, you're not going to get um, two hours of going to see the next movie, whatever it is. But what you are going to get is you're going to get tired and you're going to get worn out and you're going to have to get up the next day. And at the end of that week, you're going to feel a contentment about having done something, not, not just knowing about it, but actually having done it. Mm. And you're going to feel a contentment mm. because 
work done properly is very is a, is a, it's a, it's it's actually a form of meditation. Mm. So disciplining your mind to do two thousand seedlings, sixty bunches of basil, you know, a ton of potatoes. There's an enjoyment that you can get from that that's really very contentful. And what we're finding is that there's you know there's eighteen year olds. You've got to write off 18-year-olds because they're experimenting with life, they're working things out. Mm. There's a dread to get an 18-year-old who will come and get the picture. Give them another couple of years and they there's a whole group of people out there who are thirsty for what we have to offer. Yeah, right. Because you're outdoors, you're working, they're excited about it. It's hard work, though. It is hard work. A lot of times I feel like I'm even... Like I'm 37 in April, like, and I've been in the kitchen since I was 17... Even in that time, I feel like, I don't know, things are just a bit easier. I guess people do want... Uh, it's, it's so much opportunity out there. There's so much information and people a lot of times will pick something that's easier than, than mm. harder. I think even well, back in my day, but even, even 20 years ago, you, I just did because I, like, I, I loved working. Like, mm. I just... I don't know. I, I don't know how many people actually love working these days, but I, I, like, they're out there, I guess. But I think, you, I think you've got something... You've hit the nail on the head, though, Phil, with the idea of finding contentment in working as hard as you can. Because I think that everyone out there has that inner monologue that they know that when they've left something on the table or they've, or they've bludged or they've, or they've you know, avoided, avoided a responsibility that they know they need to you know, address... It's it's that that feeling inside of you is the thing that that leaves you without that contentment that you're talking about, and and putting in the hard yards and getting to the end of a week like you're talking about, or getting to the end of a book project like I'm talking about. There's no more, you know. When I get to the end of a book, like, and I'm always, and you're probably the same, Andy. It's like always pretty hard on yourself, and you and 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 the opportunities to reward yourself for your own hard work and and really absorb it and and celebrate it. Uh, a few and far between but getting to the end of making a book or something like that sending it to the printers there's no there's, there's rare other times in, in, in my life where I where I think I really deserve a few bloody days off yeah. and going out for a nice dinner and 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 whatever it might be but yeah there's nothing quite like it I think you hit the nail on the head with that yeah I think there's um, this hard work thing that Andy's talking about is that there's we're kind of trained to think, well, at the end of something, there will be a reward. And there's this sort of infinite deferral of, of gratification. Right? Mm. But actually, the, the reward is actually in the doing therein of itself. Mm. The, you know, the planting of the seedling, yeah, sure, it's tough, but you know what? There's actually some enjoyment in that to be had. It's to get up and have to write another chapter... If you, if you say, well, I'm going to get this done and it's terrible and I hate it and I'm blah, 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 well, you know what? You're not going to have a good time. But if you've got, I don't know, 400 jars of pickles to make, do it with the enjoyment of doing that jar of pickles. Mm. Because if you're going to leave that enjoyment until the end, you're going to get to the end and you're going to find there's nothing there. Because it actually nurtures itself in the doing. Mm. So do that with everything that you can. You know, don't think that at some point someone's going to say to you, you know what, Phil, you're a great farmer. Blah, blah, blah. If that's what you're aiming for, you're going to be very sadly disappointed. <laughs> because no one says that to start with. And secondly, even if they did say it, you wouldn't believe it. 
So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, people say they like my books. That's, yeah. how people get, <laughs> that's how people get good at things. Yeah. yeah you <laughs> you push yourself, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yourself. Yeah. And you enjoy that process. You know, enjoy suckers to punishment. Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we've got, um, I don't know if you know Dougal, our baker, but he, he enjoys you know, doing oh, all those breads. They're a special bunch of bakers. They are. To keep the hours they keep, I've always thought. Yeah, let's there. let's talk a bit about uh, about the cafe. Food. Why why did you want to? You've got a cafe in Robertson, Moonacres yeah. Kitchen. Why did you want to open a cafe? First what was the first reason. Um, well, it wasn't wasn't really my idea. It was one of the farm managers that I had, and he convinced me, probably against my better judgment at the time. <coughs> um, but now that we've got now that we've got the right staff there and we've got really a bunch of people who really respect the food that we're producing, I think it's the right it's the right idea. So the, the bottom line is that unless we do something different, the soil's gonna just the soil's blowing away. Mm. So my whole thing is I'm a I'm a certified soil ranter. I mm. can rant about soil like no one else. Give so, a quick little rant little, yeah, I'll little give demo. You a rant if you want it. But so what we've got to do, we've got to, we've got to get people connected to soil. The best way to connect people is through their stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they taste something different that's appreciably better or more tasty or whatever, then you get a little bit of something that you can't quite define and you want more of it. And so what I'm trying to do is convert people into certified soil ranters, one stomach at a time, mm-hmm. through the food. So by giving them really good bread, by giving them really good broccoli sandwiches, by giving them great pumpkin soup, whatever it is, I'm trying to get them to switch on a little tiny part of their brain that says something different is going on here. And that, I'm just using the, the food as a means of doing that. Mm. And yes, I do have to make it economically sustainable and... You know, we do have to pay all that stuff. So there's a business to run. Believe it or not, we are a business. That's yeah. What yeah. But but you know what? That's that's like saying you're a you're a you know you're a sonnet writer, but you don't want to follow the form of a sonnet. You know, you, you the economic constraints are given, but within those you can do whatever you like. Mm. Right. So make it work. It's like when people come to me and say, you know, organics are a bit expensive. Thanks for letting me know, but you know I've got a business to run. So I'm not going to complain to people about the problems I'm having with the business, they're not interested. What they are interested in is the pickles we've got, the fantastic broccoli sandwiches, the great breads, whatever. And through that, hopefully, they're going to taste something a little bit different and they're going to say, you know what, this is really good. I don't care that it's a little bit more expensive anymore. It tastes so bloody good. Why is it different? Well, it's different because Phil, mad bastard that he is, is looking after the soil. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, they'll say, you know what, Next time I'm at a shop and I'm about to buy some broccoli or some peanuts, whatever it is, I'm going to buy the product where I know they're looking after the soil because it's going to make me, it's going to be better for me, it's going to be healthier for the soil, and it's going to lead to a future for my kids. Mm. And I'm going to be less obese and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So there's a whole lot of good that can follow from that. So my role is to take that amazing goodness from the soil that energy that comes from our soil to, to make it a living thing I mean a lot of a lot of conventional 
horticulture and a lot of conventional agriculture, it uses soil. The only reason they have soil is to stop the plants falling over. Mm. <laughs> it just keeps them up, right? It's not a living world of, of microorganisms, of bacteria, of funguses, of nematodes, of worms, of beetles, of whatever. You know, the, mat, the biomass in the soil should be something like three times the mineral mass of the soil. Mm. Right? Think about that. Right? And when that's happening, then it's no longer something that's just holding the plant up in a physical sense. It's actually sustaining all of us. Mm. So I was, I was an invited speaker to an international soil conference uh, last December, International Soil Day. I don't know if you know that, mm-hmm. 5th of December. And I was invited there. They had soil scientists from all over the world. And I was an invited speaker because I'm a soil practitioner. Mm-hmm. I do soil. And what, what struck me there is how we've got our thinking back to front. Because though people say to me, Phil, you're a great farmer. You're really looking after the soil. Phil is looking after the soil. That's what they think. But you think about what I do. I get a corn seed or I get an apple seed or I get a seed and I shove it in the ground. Maybe I water it. And then, then what do I do? I stand back and I watch this incredible molecule unfold itself into a you know, two metre tall corn plant from which grows through some means we still don't understand these amazing crops of corn. Mm. And then when I've got those crops of corn, what do I do? I eat them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so actually the soil is nourishing me. The soil is looking after me. So it's not I'm looking after the soil. The soil is actually looking after all of us. And what we, it's what's incumbent on us as people who can now destroy that soil. We can either choose to be part of the system that destroys that soil and therefore, as I said, what do we need? We need time. In the future, just we wipe ourselves out. Or we want to be part of a system that nourishes that soil, that replenishes that soil so that it can nourish us in turn. So there's this, you know, this is, People say, well, there is mad soil ranter and you know, there's no connection to soil. You know, think about those civilizations that have just disappeared and then they've worked out through you know, history and looking at the archaeology of the area, they've worked out that they actually drained all the nutrients from their croplands or they poisoned their own water systems with sewage or whatever they did. Mm. Let's not be those civilizations. Mm-hmm. And on a continent as old as ours, we can't afford to have our precious soil blowing into the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Because as both of our listeners will know, lettuces do not grow in the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Right? So there's no point putting the soil there. It's not going to help a lot of people. Mm. So let's keep it where it is. Let's, let's nourish it. And let's let it give us the opportunity to be nourished by it. Mm. And we're all going to feel better. Gene, makes sense. Mm. It's pretty simple, really. Yeah. It's not that hard. Don't put the soil in the Pacific Ocean. Don't put it in the paddocks. Stop putting the soil in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And all you've got to do, you know, it's, it's, we've just got to go back to these regenerative practices. There's people out there like Charles Massey who've been doing this for a long time, who know how to do it. And I just want to be a little farm that can say to my grandkids, there it is. That's for you, you know. Yeah, and that's how to do it. Yeah, let's let's do it. You know, let's learn. Let's be part of the. Let's be the solution, not the problem. That's it. Yeah, yeah. mate. 
I had plenty of other things to ask you, but I think that that's the perfect place to end it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we, we'll wrap up. Look, we've got to let you plug your stuff. So you've got Moon Acres Kitchen in uh, Robertson. Yep. Moon Acres Farm, and you're at a bunch of farmers markets. They can check you out. What's your website? moonacres.com.au yep and they can find moonacres on Facebook and Instagram as well yep if they're into that sort of thing yeah. I, I, I don't know you I don't mean, do any of it no. I'm assuming <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't interest me yeah. you know, the, so we've got our website you know one thing that's exciting is we're going to start a cooking school great fantastic out of the, out of yeah. the cafe uh, no um, we're hiring a new space in Robertson oh fantastic so um, we, we had a, a workshop on the weekend where we had people coming down making passata and it's, you know, it's, it's this whole philosophy of doing is understanding, you know, that there's no point in, you can read as many sourdough recipes as you want to. You can spend the next four weeks reading sourdough recipes. That's not going to produce one single loaf of sourdough. Mm. Do it. Yep. Um, you know, we'll get Andy up there, we'll get him to teach a course on something. Uh, we're going to have courses for real beginners, people who've got, who are scared of the kitchen. The salad burners of the world will have a course for you. <laughs> if people want to be um, someone who knows a fair bit about cooking but wants to go to the next level, we've got a lot of chefs, people like Andy, Steve at the cafe, um, all sorts of people who yep. can take you to that next level. And then we're going to have courses where unless you're a chef, you just won't be able to come. Yep. So they're going to be master classes. So, you know, things we've got lined up there. We've got a, a next level Japanese picnic course in, in process. And we're going to have uh, pasta, pasta making. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got a whole lot of things lined up. Just Fantastic. take six months to get going. That's a great way to uh, expand that education that, that's necessary as Definitely. well. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Doing is understanding. Yep. And it's, it's fun. And plus, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely be up there for one of them. Yeah, for sure. Love you one. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. If you uh, if you want to go back and listen to some other podcasts and stuff, uh, you can search Quicksand Food wherever you get your podcasts, or go to quicksandfood.com. If you want to get in touch about uh, coming on the show, if you've got an idea for a topic, or you know someone who's doing something cool in the world of food or hospitality, get in touch. Info at quicksandfood.com. Uh, and where quicksand food on social media, Andy? Babyface uh, Kitchen? Babyface Kitchen at two underscore smoking barrels. That's at it. Chef Andy Burtz. Yep, it's all online. You can just Google stuff now, basically. Like, if you just tell people the name of your, your, your business, you can Google it and find out our details. Phil Lavers from Moon Acres Farm, mate, thank you so much for the Thank you. Great to have you. No Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.